Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. A positive direction. I want us to read some verses surrounding the first verse I read this morning and then deal with a very specific area that, that needs addressing. In Ephesians chapter 4, back in our opening verse, well, I'm going to back up to verse 17 and, and work my way back down to our opening text. In Ephesians 4, 17, the Bible says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. <laughs> Boy, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The Apostle Paul, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, you'll find out that this book is written to Christians, holy people of God that love Jesus, that have been converted. So he's talking under the inspiration of God's Spirit to Christian people, truly born-again people, not just church folk, really saved folk. And he's saying, this is not just my opinion. This, I say this with the Lord's authority. Stop living like Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I want you to know, people that don't follow God have no hope. That's what hopeless means. They have no hope to solve their confusion. They have no hope to overcome their ills. They have no hope to, to see change get better. That's why any nation that turns their back on God is, is, is just done. They have no hope. There's no hope for people outside of the Lord. So if you're living your life as someone who doesn't follow God, then you are just going to be confused and without hope. Verse 18 says, their minds are full of darkness. Semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. Take it in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it. Their minds. Whose minds? People who don't follow God. That's what Gentiles are. People who are outside the covenant and the promises of God. Their minds are full of darkness. I want to give you a newsflash, extra, extra, read all about it. There's some saved folk that got plenty of darkness up here. Darkness will creep in. You don't believe me? Get living holy. And, and, then, and then just sit and ask yourself, how did I go from hallelujah, hallelujah to wanting to shoot everybody? Well, not really shoot everybody. I mean, that's extreme, but at, you know, at, at least pe people who fight this real battle, they know you can get in the spirit and out of the spirit in a blink. But people who aren't in Christ at all, their minds are full of darkness. There's enough darkness going around for everybody. But if you're not saved, your mind is just full of darkness according to God. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. That H should be capitalized. They, they, they've hardened their heart against God. They've closed their mind against God. America is further down this path than it's ever been. Further down this path than it's ever been. President Obama told the truth when he said America is no longer a Christian nation. America is a nation with Christians, with Jews, with Muslims, with, with non-believers, with atheists, with witches, uh, all kinds of stuff. There's never been a time in American history when the hearts of people were further against God than it is right now. Less people even going to church. Listen, if, you're not, if you know people that aren't even going to church, they, all, all their claims about Jesus are false. 
people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Jesus went to church all the time. If you're going to be Christ-like, you've you got to do what Jesus did. People in America have hardened their hearts against God. They've closed their mind to the real answer. They're expecting government to, to do for the community what is not government's job to do. Do you realize that it is the church's job to take care of the community? There's instruction in the Bible about how to feed the hungry, how to clothe the naked, how to care for the poor, how to care for widows, hurting, orphans, prison folk. That's never been, should have been the job of the government. It should be the job of the church. But because church folk aren't, aren't really full of light and, and, and godliness, they were content to let the government try to do their job. But the government can't fix things because they've closed their minds and they're trying to find other ways than Jesus to fix stuff. Verse 19 says they have no sense of shame. It's crazy, y'all. It's crazy. You don't have to go too far. We, we saw a thing, one, one, of, one of the kids uh, from Oakleaf, one of the schools in uh, Oakleaf Junior or Senior High, put a, a little, little picture on their social media account. I think it was on their Instagram, whatever it was. And they took a picture next to the sign that said 103rd Street. And under it, she wrote, we out here, yo. And she's like, we out here, yo, we out here in the hood. I mean, we done dribbled all the way four miles away from, from, from the Oakleaf exit to the 103rd exit. Like, like they, they've stepped into something different. But I want to tell you something. I see people walking around in every community, rich, poor, red, yellow, black, white, all across this country that are just shameless. No sense of shame at all. We were in, where are we in? Last week, we were in Atlanta, and we, uh, we were in a, a big mall in Atlanta and at a movie theater. So we're like, Let, let's, let's catch this Incredibles movie. And so we, we went to see Incredibles, and in front of me was, I'm, it's just wild. In front of me, there was this dude. I'm assuming he's a man. Uh, manhood just means different things to different people. Um, the, the, fact, the fact that his woman outweighed him by 250 pounds, that's, that's a personal preference you never find me in the middle of. But, you know, he weighed about 105 pounds, just skinny, big old thick woman with him, paying. And that's another thing that don't, don't make for good manhood story in, 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 in my way of thinking. Uh, God put men on the earth to dominate. God put men on the earth to be protectors, providers. Uh, feminism has ruined Christian women. It's like, I can do anything a man can do. Well, pay for dinner. Get up to rent. But in a lot of communities, that's, that's been forced. And, 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 and women, and this, this girl, she was pulling out at the concession stand. But the thing that threw me back most, listen. You want to have your own sense of fashion? That is one thing. This dude, literally, 100, 105, 110 pound grown man. Dude was up in his 30s probably. That, that, it's just time to put some weight on, son. But his pants were so low, it was under the butt. Underwear poked out here. Crotch of his pants below his knees. And I'm thinking, how has somebody not told you that's shameful? 
I'm seeing your nasty drawers. I'm up in Atlanta, GA, the dirty south. I am up here spending. We out here, yo. I am spending money in a shopping mall. I'm, 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 telling, I'm talking about, you know, where everything costs too much money. And I looked at, I, looked, I said, do kids dress like that at your school? And they both like, yeah. I'm like, they ain't no dress code. They send people home for having the wrong graphic on their T-shirt, but they let them wear their underwear up, sagging. Listen, I mean, if you want to wear loose pants, I wear loose pants because I'm fat, but I, I like to be comfortable. I, I get that, but man. If you have to hold them while you walk through, move, you got to walk like this because your knees won't bend because your crotch is about. I mean, how folk not ashamed of that? Okay, so we're in Atlanta. I'm doing some reading. I'm looking at some stuff online. Come across this uh, caption on uh, MSNBC homepage. And it says, people who will never be employed anywhere. And it showed these people, whole face tattoos. Showed a picture of a dude had the F, all words written out across his forehead, Y-O-U. I'm thinking you could have saved some money and just put two letters up there. We'd have got what you're trying to say. But uh, it showed people with... Uh, listen, I get it. I mean, it, it ain't my thing, but if it, you know, you 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 want to get a tattoo, cool. Do what you got to do. You want to get a piercing, whatever. Do what you got to do. They showed a dude who had over two hundred metal balls all over his in his. Eye. How do you put a metal ball in your eyelid? I'm thinking, you know, at some point, you just need to realize you are unhirable, son. Nobody about to hire you looking like that. But guess what? When he got his first one, he thought it was cool. When he got his second one, he thought it was cooler. When he got his hundredth one, he, he realized, I'm out here. But there was no shame in any of that. Why? Well, it's a free country. If I want to sag my britches, I sag my britches. Well, there's, there's consequences to that. You know, if I, if I slap you in the head, you can't chase me down. And you can't fight holding your britches with one hand. I promise you that. Not me. I'm 215 pounds of fury. Uh, that's not going to work good for you. I fight, I fight Mike Tyson if he's holding britches with one hand to make him trip. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little too quick for that. But there's consequences. People, people have no shame. They're like, I say what I want to say. Well, do that. You can say what you want to say, but realize there's consequences to it. Uh, this, see, this computer generation has raised a bunch of cowards that have keyboard bravery, that say stuff behind a keyboard they would never say to a grown man or a grown woman. There are racial stuff people say. Do you, do you realize the Supreme Court has ruled that there is no law against speech of any kind, that so-called hate speech is protected by free speech? It is. You say whatever you want to say. You want to blast the N-word out? Go ahead. I recommend you do it downtown Jacksonville on Avenue B. <laughs> Round a fire barrel where they're serving goat sandwiches and pouring E&J brandy out for all the brothers that wasn't here. Do that. Push that freedom. Go ahead. 
You, you want to be free? You want to, have, you want to be able to say, I say anything I want. You have no shame to your game? Computer bravery? Take all that bravado. Get out of your little west side Orange Park High School. Enroll in William M. Range Vikings and, and take your freedom of speech there. See how that works out for you. Speech is free. Say whatever you want to say. If you got no shame, but you better realize there's consequences to wrong behavior. America's made everything free. See, freedom of speech has, has gone crazy. You, you, can, you can say, you can, it is not against the law. You could just get on TV and say, I hate all white people and I want to see them all dead and choking on their own blood. You can say, I hate all black people and I want to see them. There's no law against that. It's no law against being ignorant. It's no law. Freedom of speech protect you the supreme court voted unanimously to protect what was being called hate speech under the first amendment of free speech the only thing you can't say is fire in a crowded room uh, or something to incite direct violence against someone else anything else you can be just as hateful as you want to and that's why we see people doing stuff because they have no sense of shame there ought to be a self-check in you that realizes, wow, that sounded hateful even for me. That, that, that's kind of twisted even, even for us. Yeah, there ought to be some sense of shame, but people outside Christ, they, they don't have shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. If your life is just live, to live for pleasure, you just do what you want to do, say what you want to say, dance how you want to dance, play how you want to play, you are outside of God and you've lost your natural sense of shame. Let's hurry up and get through. But... Verse 20 says, but it isn't what you learned about Christ. That isn't what you learned. That ain't, that ain't how to be a Christian, y'all. Verse 21 says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned that truth comes from him, here's what you should do. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This is talking to Christians. You ought to throw off all that stuff you used to do. Well, I, I, I was raised that way. That's just how I am. Throw that off. Quit staying stuck in your past. Get a new attitude. Get a new future. Get a better life. Do away with your former way of life because it's corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23 says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This is the key to change. This is the key to Christianity. This is the key to becoming the man, the woman, the young person God wants you to be. By allowing God's Spirit to renew. You need a new attitude. You need to get with Patty and understand. You, you got to get a new attitude. You, you got to get a mind change. You got to get... She said it. She got it. What the church needs is a new attitude. People who claim to be Christians need to get rid of that old stinking thinking and get some new thoughts and some new attitude from Christ. Verse 24 says, put on your new nature. You got you to throw off that old junk, put on some new stuff. Every day when you get ready to leave, wherever you are, you ought to say, man, I'm going to put on my Holy Ghost. I'm going to put on my godliness. I'm going to put on my mind of Christ. I'm going I'm to I'm 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 live this thing out in, as, a, as a new person. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Then verse 25, listen to what, listen to what God says to Christians. Stop telling lies, period. Huh. Well, there you have it. That would be good news. That would be great for Christians to step in and stop telling lies. I had people come in my office and tell lies. Pastor, everybody's against me. Everybody don't know you. 
the whole system is against me. Uh, really? The whole system? Every part of the system? What about the good? People tell, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. Now, talking to Christians, if we could ever understand that the we mindset that should be connected to for Christians is other Christians. Not Baptists connecting with other Baptists. Not Charismatics connecting with other Charismatics. Not Catholics connecting with other Catholics. Not white uh, uh, Democrats connecting with other white Democrats. Not, not, uh, not, not all those other identifiers, but we Christians, we're part of the same group. We are us, and we need to get that in our mind. You, if, if you are living funky, you're hurting us and yourself. Verse 26 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. You're talking to same folk. Listen, some people deal with anger at a high level. It's sin if you let it control you. People say, well, Pastor, I have righteous indignation. I get mad about the things people ought to get mad about. Uh, you stay mad. That's not, that's not holy. You, you, your anger controls you. That's not holy. You're still mad at night. It says don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. If something upsets you, you need to process that out. Be like, hey, I give it to God, and I continue to be joyful. If you, go to, if you get mad in the daytime, go to bed mad, you're angry. You, you are not where you need to be. Verse 27 says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's bad. That's bad. We were looking at some mountains in Georgia, and, uh, you know, in that great Atlanta traffic, eight lanes in one direction, eight lanes, a 16-lane highway, dead stopped. I could have beat them walking backwards on my knees horrible every time of the day we were out three o'clock in the morning riding packed across side to side I'm like what are these people doing two o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of the week dead stop traffic people no car wreck nobody broke down just too many people and i told my, my kids because i don't like traffic at all i said these people don't even have jobs look at this uh, uh, 16 lanes full up these folks don't even go to work. What are they doing out here driving a car? Get on the mart of people. What are you doing? To, I mean, the, but those things that get to you can create a foothold. So we're doing what we did all week in Atlanta. We're sitting dead still. Didn't matter. On the bypass, on 75, it, whatever, whatever road, 475, 385, doesn't matter where you're at. It's dead stopped in Atlanta. It's just too many people. And, but, so we're looking at this. I mean, you, you drive Atlanta so different from Jacksonville just in so many ways, but, but the, 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 the land is just incredible. Rock, straight up mountain off the side of the road. Little tiny grooves in it. I'm like, well, ain't no climbing that. And then I look deeper at it, and I'm like, well, them people on American Ninja Warrior could climb it. Them, cats, them, them real rock climbers that only need that much to get their fingertips on, dangling by two fingertips. You notice all them people are skinny, right? The Incredible Hulk can't hold up 215 pounds with two fingers. But they, they had those little tiny grooves that are footholds and finger holes. And as you let little things in your life give the devil a foothold, it's not just his foot that's holding. He's grabbing hold of you. And footholds become strongholds that overthrow you. And then you're looking for another rehab program. 
So you got to be careful when, when little things start to become big things in your life. Verse 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. This is the Christian. This is incredible. It's like, hey, y'all, I know some of y'all stealing. Stop that. Hey, leave homegirl's purse alone. She came in with that. Let her leave with that. I see you checking out these cars out here. Hey, come in the one you brought you. If you're a thief, quit stealing. You get good advice for safe folk, right? People would be better if they would. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. Now, see, that, that concept is profane into hard work. I'm trying to get over, like roll with a Casanova. I ain't trying to do no hard work. Well, hard work's for suckers, man. I ain't trying, I'm, I'm trying to get me mines. Hard work for some people who ain't got no hustle. I, I, I'm, working, I'm working three. I got a side hustle on my side hustle. But do you work hard? Hard work, the Bible says, will be rewarded. But laziness will bring you to poverty. Work hard. Then give generously to others in need. Imagine that. What if everybody claimed to be a Christian, stop lying, stop stealing, stop being lazy, stop living just for pleasure and sin, got out of their addictions and their strongholds, started working hard so God blessed them with lots of money, which the Bible promises God will do for you if, if, if you obey him, and then... They generously gave to others in need. See, it's crazy the amount of believers I hear say, get a job. That, 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 that's your compassion program? That, that, that's your idea of Christian welfare? That's your idea of helping the hurting? Get a job? That, that, that's, that's not helping anybody, and that's not loving anybody. God doesn't want to bless you so you can live in a big house and, and look down on everybody else. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. This is God's plan. If, you, if you're stealing, quit stealing. If, you, if you're hateful, quit being hateful. If you're lying, quit lying. If, if, if you're shady, quit being shady. Get out there and do some hard work. I tell my kids, I don't care where it is. I respect anybody with it. Seth, man, Seth works my head sometimes because, he, you know, he, he, he likes to think and uh, talk. And so I've given him my speech this week. I respect anybody that has a job. It's just like, well, what about drug dealers? I said, I respect anybody who has a job where they're not breaking the law. He said, well, what about hookers in Las Vegas? <laughs> and I'm thinking, does he have a free house to live in that I don't know about? <laughs> Except the fact that I respect people that have a job. Because honestly... It, it, I, I saw Sierra this morning in, in Burger King, and I, I, I love her, and she's not getting the hours she wants, and I told her. Um, but what I heard, and I'll tell y'all, McDonald's is hiring. Right here on 103rd Street, starting at $12 an hour with benefits, with college scholarships, with tuition reimbursement to help you get your high school diploma, to help you get a college scholarship. Uh, you're like, I ain't trying to work at no McDonald's. $12 an hour ain't. Man, I started working. Listen, Dina, Dina can tell you because she started working before me. $2.55 an hour. Man, I still, when I hear people talking about $12 an hour, I'm like, man, that's kind of that's good money, right? $12 an hour, man, that's, that's kind of what? And people are like, I ain't trying. Listen, if you start working at McDonald's, 
doing whatever they'll let you do, and you work hard, they'll give you more hours. And if they don't, go to one that will. Get in a company that will reward your You work hard, you get into the management program. You, you, then you're making more than $12 an hour. Then, then you, my, I watched my sister do this. My, my sister was the youngest manager in KFC history, Jacksonville KFC history of this store right on 103rd Street, brand new. That was her store. She, she worked hard. They kept moving her up, kept moving until she had her own store at 19 years old. Why? Because if you put your hands to hard work, you move up. Unless you're a socialist. That's a different story for a different time. But as God blesses you, if you want to keep that rolling, you got to be generous and give to others. My sister was working before I was working, and we didn't have any money, so every week she would give me an allowance out of her check just because she loved her little brother. Y'all like, my brother is horrible. Why ain't my sister like that? Listen. Give generously to others in need. Final, fi, fi, I, I'm, I'm at my punchline. We're over time, but I'm at my punchline. Listen to this good and we'll be done. Verse 29. First verse I read. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. He's talking to Christian people. It's a shame that we have to say this to people, but this is the word of the Lord for you today. Do not use foul or abusive language. Do you know the words that you say are important? The words that you say create ripple effect on other people. The, the language that you use should not be foul. Other versions say corrupt. Other versions say profane. Other translations say um, there was one other word I can't remember. But this is, this is a great version to stay with right here. Don't use foul or abusive language. Well, I have freedom of speech. Yeah, as an American, you have freedom of speech. As a Christian, you're bound to the Word of God. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say mean, hateful things. You can say racist things. You, you can say vulgar things. You can use curse words. You, you can use uh, uh, made-up curse words. You, 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 listen, I tell my kids, don't, don't use any of them words. Don't, don't, don't come talking about dang it and darn it. and, and uh, da, 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 You know, just say, say what you want to say. You you, you, you think that's going to fly with me? You, you, that, no, that don't fly with me. Don't be making up cuss words in your head. Uh, it, it still is the word that you're trying to act like it ain't the word. Let, here, listen to the word. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. When God put this in my spirit this week, because uh, y'all y'all heard me say it, I don't go online looking for messages. I don't get books on how to prepare messages. I don't, I don't listen to other preachers and take their messages. If you ever heard somebody say something that I said, they more were copying me than me copying them because I ain't hearing them. Uh, but when God, I pray and ask God what he wants me to say, and he put this on here, I, I, I had to deal with some hard reality. Because sometimes my words don't always come off good and helpful. Sometimes my words don't always come off the way uh, Christian. Leave the pastor thing out. I, I, I love what our church administrator said. The Bible says, be ye holy. That's it. It doesn't say pastors, be ye holier. The command for, I have a higher, people are like, well, you're held to a higher standard. 
than what? Christ? No. The Bible tells us all we have a standard as Christians. And I've told my kids because of, and it's sad that at 54 I still have some of this junk that I'm trying to process. And I I want you to pray for me. But I, I can remember when I was running my lawn business and I had multiple crews and I had a lot of people working for me. And stuff breaks in the lawn business and 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 people you know we'd either catch a rock throw it through the the sliding glass door people run an edger around a heat pump too fast cut the car freon spraying everywhere and the first thought in my mind every time was the voice that i heard as a child coming from my verbally abusive stepfather every time i i i'd see somebody be like Weedy to throw a rock into that lady's window again. Now, as a Christian, I should think, well, you know, we'll overcome it. You know, let's, I appreciate you telling me. Let's work, well, let's work on resolving it. But as a verbally abused child with, with, with a voice in my head that, that I, I can still hear at 54 years old, sadly, the first thought in my mind, and I had to work so hard dealing with equipment breakdowns every day, and workers that didn't really think their way through show up high and drunk and, and, and do a bad job. The first thought in my mind wasn't, well, that's, that's, that, I'm, I'm sorry that happened, let's fix it. The first thought in my mind was always that same phrase I heard as a child, how can you be so stupid? Kid knock over a glass of milk at a table, first thought in my mind's not, well, you know, everybody spills milk every now and then, how can you be so stupid? And even at 54 years old, I, I realized that my words have been shaped by my experiences and, and my words have been shaped by my abuse and that as a person who's been hurt in life, I have the potential to hurt others. And I told my kids, you know, this message is, is, is going to be something that I personally haven't perfected, but some people want the teacher to have perfected every message they teach, but nobody's perfected anything except Jesus. So this is heavy to me this morning. That because I want to be who God wants me to be. And, and I know that sometimes I say stuff that's not necessarily good, uh, not necessarily helpful. Uh, it not, might not necessarily be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, I'm not talking about what I say from the pulpit. I make no excuse from what I say from the pulpit. I'm going to preach hard on sin. I'm going to preach holiness, truth, and righteousness. And that, that's one thing. You, and, and, but I don't deal with people that way. I don't deal with that pe- people that way. Um, I told you all before. I'll tell you all again. If you've got air conditioner needs, you, you, ought, you ought to see uh, Jessica's husband, Rolando. Uh, he had to come over and f- fix my air conditioner. He did a great job. Everything's working. Appreciate fam. Love y'all. Uh, we're over the house. Well, I'm, I'm not sitting there saying, did you live holy today, Jessica? Are, are, are you high and lofty? Man, we, we're sitting there talking about going to the gun range. We're sitting there talking about normal life stuff. Okay, what I say from the pulpit and what I say to you on, 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 you know, in normal living is two different things. I say up here what God tells me to say, and I make no apology for it. Okay, but as a person relating in a one-on-one situation, it's a lot different. And I realize that it's in these one-on-one situations that I have to be careful. See, I'm not, I'm not concerned about being careful about what I say up here that offends you as the truth. Because if the truth offends you, get over it. But if in a one-on-one situation, I choose the wrong way to come at you verbally and I offend you, then that's on me. And I got I to gotta own that. And I got to deal with that. And I got to do better with that. Because the Bible says that everything that we say needs to be good, needs to be helpful, needs to be an encouragement to those who hear them. What's funny is a lot of different people have been credited with 
um, this test of three. Socrates taught a test of three. Uh, Plato came along and retaught it. Uh, some Buddhists have ascribed this to Buddha when it couldn't have been Buddha, and all the Buddhist monks say it definitely was not Buddha because Buddhist teaching always teaches in fours and fives, never in threes. Um, so this, this, this test of three has been along, around for a good long time. Uh, it's biblical in, in, in its truth, but it was talked about even before we had a New Testament. Socrates said, before you say something, run it through this test of three. And I got you from all what I've said today to this point, and I want you to get these three things. Before you tell somebody something else, before you open your mouth and say something about anything, the game, your children, life, your job, your boss, the economy, the president, anything, see if it passes this test of three. Is it good? Is what's coming out of your mouth, is what about to come out of your mouth, is it good? If it's not good, don't say it. Keep it to yourself. Second, is it true? Socrates had a man come up to him, and he said, uh, I have something to tell you about one of your students. Socrates said, before you say anything, let's see if it passes the threefold test. Number one, is it good? Is what you're about to tell me good? The man said, no, it's not. It's actually pretty bad. He said, all right, well, is it true? He said, well, I don't know. I just heard it, but I thought you should know. He said, so you're about to tell me some bad news that you're not even sure is true. The man was rightfully embarrassed, realizing that he was doing something that was wrong. And the third test, is it useful? The things that you talk about. It's okay to talk about sports. It's okay to talk about whatever interests you. As long as it's good, as long as it's true. And as long as it's useful, because everything you say should be good, it should be helpful, and it should be words that encourage those who hear it. Call somebody up. Hey, got some bad news for you. you my kids know I love The Rock. Any, any movie The Rock's in is, 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 is worth seeing. And one, one of our favorite The Rock lines is out of uh, Fast and Furious series, and one of The Rock's uh, team members said, I got good news and bad news. Uh, and, and the rock, they say veggies or dessert, what comes first? He said, you know I like my dessert first. Hit me with the good news. So he's telling me the good news. He said, now bring on the veggies. And if you're going to tell somebody and you start with, I got some bad news, what is your purpose for telling them bad news? Are you even sure that the bad news is true? And is it going to encourage the people that hear it? I, I, I want to close by, by telling you this. Your speech reveals your heart. You tell on yourself eventually. You tell on yourself. You See, here's the problem. Most people, especially church folk, are guilty of playing the hypocrite. Hypocrite is a thespian, not lesbian, but thespian term in origin. comes from the theater. To play the hypocrite was someone who played more than one role and held up a face on a stick that wasn't them. So they wore more than one face. They were pretending to be something that they weren't. And church people have, protect, have, per, have, have uh, perfected the art of playing the hypocrite. We're good at looking one way 
in front of our church friends and the pastor. But we got a whole different face that we live out around. And so preachers have to say stuff like, would, would you talk like that if Jesus was listening? Well, there's bad theology there because he is listening. You got to start thinking about your speech because your speech gives you away. Your speech reveals what's on the inside of you. This, you tell on yourself. You, you're trying to wear this mask. You're playing the hypocrite. You're trying to act like you're something that you're really not. But if you talk long enough, you're going to give yourself away. That's why the Bible says study to be quiet. Talk less. Listen more. The Bible says in Luke 6, 45, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Uh, the King James says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You talk about the things you love. You, you, you get, get around some woman who, who just ready to leave her man. It ain't going to take long before she starts bad-mouthing her man in front of you. You get around some mom who, who really loves her children. It's not going to take long before she starts telling you about how great her children are. You, you, you get around Deacon West and, and, and talk college football. He, they had us doing that thing, man. Atlanta, the stadium's incredible, by the way. That new stadium in Atlanta is amazing. They had, uh, uh, uh. I'm out here like a Florida State fan. I'm like, I'm half resenting this. But, you know, I'm trying to be a fan. You talk about what you love. You get around certain people. I, if I know them, I can tell you what's going to come up eventually. I, I, I get around Alfred. We're going to talk. with Some basketball is going to come up some kind of way. Um. I, 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 I get around Greg, we're going to talk about Boston. I, I get around certain people, and, and, and I know what's going to come up because I know what's in their heart, and your mouth reveals your heart. That's why racists can't stay hidden good. They tell on themselves. That's why fake living church folk can't stay hidden good. They tell on themselves. So my final question to you is how do you use your word? Do you use them to be good? Do you use them to be helpful? Do you use them honestly? People have made much of a part of a verse that says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And that's created a huge false theology in the church where people think, I can, I can speak life to you. That's me a metaphor. That, that's not literal. You can't just walk around and say, Scott Becker, die. <laughs> you don't have that kind of power. There's denominations that believe that. There's, de there's denominations. I, I was trying to teach a point one night in a college class I was taking uh, in a charismatic seminary, and there was this lady, and she, she was from a church, and, you know, they had certain sayings in her church, and she would always say, loose hen, devil. Somebody say something she didn't, loose hen. That's weird for Jesus uh, on the north side. And loose hen, devil. And she'd say that to me all the time. I'd be like, I'm just a student in this Bible class just like you. Loose here, devil. And we were, we were talking about this verse, and she was giving her opinion about what it meant. Uh, and, and she speaks life to her car because it's old, and she needs it to keep running. I said, well, why don't you just ask God? 
to keep your car together instead of you taking the power over your car because God gave me the power in my tongue to speak life or death to whatever I speak life or death to. I said, so it just works like that? It works like that. I said, well, here's what I do. I said, I speak four flat tires to you on the way home. I speak your engine breaking down on the way home. I speak your transmission falling out and busting the rear axle out of your car. She got so upset she ran out crying, worried that I was, I was tearing her car up by what I was saying. Silly. You don't have the power of life and death literally in your tongue, but the words you say can increase or decrease people's emotions around you. If you were told you're stupid your whole life and ugly, people took power over your thoughts. They didn't make you any uglier. You were just born that way. But it impacted your thoughts. You cannot create your world by the words that you say, no matter what false theologians tell you. But you can impact the emotions of people around you, including yourself, by what you say. If you speak good, truthful, encouraging words, you're going to find people around you are good and they're truthful and they encourage because what you put out comes back to you. You can't speak death on me and you can't speak life to yourself. If that be the case, nobody would ever die. Okay? This is metaphor, not literal. But I, I, I want you to know words are important and you need to question how you use your words. Are you using your words to encourage people or to tear people down? Are you using your words to be a positive impact on their life or a negative impact on their life? Are you so hurt in your own life that you just blast on people so they'll hurt too? Real question. Last verse. Psalm 1914. The psalmist said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is what a real Christian wants right here. I want my words... And my thoughts to please the Lord. Based on the law of first mention, highest in the list, or priority listing, the first thing mentioned is more dominant. The words are put before your thoughts. See, because the words reveal your thoughts. You don't have to tell me what your thoughts are if I listen to your words. That's going to come out. You should have a desire for the words of your mouth to please God. The words of your mouth should not be negative. They should not be condemning. They should not be criticizing. They should be passing this test of three. They, they, should, be, they should be true. They should be helpful. They, 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 they should line up with the way Christians are supposed to speak. I said all that to ask somebody to join me on a journey of speaking better as a Christian. To join me on a journey of getting your words in line with what the Scripture says. Don't, don't say foul vulgar, abusive things out of your mouth. Don't say negative, critical, condemning things out of your mouth. Say things that are pleasing to God. Say things that are helpful and encouraging to others. Anybody can splash haterade 
it takes real Christians to splash love. This world is at an all-time high of hate. This country is at an all-time high of hate. Separation and division has never in my lifetime been this extreme. So many people have said it, including Dr. King. Hate can't fix hate. Only love can overcome hate. Put your words in check, Christian. I'm, I'm starting a journey. I'm going to put my words in check. You say, well, you're a pastor. Don't you do everything right? You know me. I'm in my process just like you. But I want to invite you to start a journey with me to get your words in alignment with the Scripture. Get your words that come out of your mouth to please God. Because this shows your belief system. We say we love God. We say we want to be who God wants us to be. We got to do what he tells us to do. So get that foul and abusive language out of your mouth. Get that perverse language out of your mouth. Get that corrupt communication out of your mouth. Get that negativity out of your mouth. Get that criticizing other people out of your mouth. Start saying things that are true, things that are honest. Start, start saying things that encourage other people. Because what you put out is going to come back on you. People that say hard things, people that say hurtful things, pe people that say things negatively, they just reveal that they're just mad on the inside. And they're hurt on the inside. And they think saying that is going to vent and give them some type of peace. It doesn't. It just throws gas on what you're trying to run from. If you want change, you have to change. We can't change the economical system of the world or this country. We can't change. You, you can't. See, th th this is why racism will never go away. You pass all the laws you want to. You can't stop people. You can't legislate governmentally stop hate. You can pass laws. People hate you from behind. Pass all the laws you want to. You can't legislate holiness. You just got to hope that some real Christian people will choose holiness. You can't legislate proper speech. The Supreme Court has decided all speech is protected, even what some call hate speech. You can't force people to not be hateful. But you can bring your words into alignment with what God said to do. And I want you to join me on this journey to let the words of your mouth be pleasing to God. Your thoughts will fall in line. Take control of what comes out of your mouth, and you'll be surprised with the change it will make in your life. That's the journey. Get on it. Get on a journey of being more positive. Get on a journey of saying encouraging things. Get on a journey of saying things that would honor God. Get on a journey of shutting up. I know I have a proclivity to word things in ways that aren't great. And that's why my sister has spent the last 15 years checking the majority of emails I have to send in correction to people because she's much better than I am at using words that please God and encouraging words and, and she, she'll just tell me oh, no you're going to take that them last three lines out That's, you had a little good thing going right there but then you just jumped all into their business and you're going to have to scratch that and I thank God for that in my life. But I'm 54, almost 55 years old. I got to take some responsibility for me.
So I am exposing myself today in my journey. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. See, I have found out that once you offend somebody with your words, everybody don't take your apology. I've offended some people with some hard things that I've said to them, and I always go and try to overcome and reconcile. Some people, one one, one, they get mad at you, they shut you down. And that doesn't honor God, and that doesn't help our community be better. I want to see change. I want to see change in me. I hope you want to see change in you. Pray with me. God, thank you for your book. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. I pray that you'd help us live what we say we believe and help us to understand that words are important. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.